Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go join the Facebook group, Hyperclean Specialists. We're going to start off the show today talking a little cars. Big news this week, and for those of you that know me, you know this kind of makes me laugh. The 2023 Dodge Demon set a record going 1.66 in the 0 to 60 test at 100 at 1,025 horsepower. It's an impressive feat for Dodge, so impressive that this is the last one they're ever going to do. That's how impressive it is. So... Here's the interesting thing. Number one, most people can't handle the car. It still baffles me that people can just go down the street and buy a thousand horsepower car these days, whether that be electric or or this Dodge Demon. If you really think about it, how many people in your life do you know that can handle a thousand horsepower car? I, I don't know that many. And I know, look, I spent the last week at a at a race team shop uh, working on a very rare Porsche. I can tell you this right now. They don't really like thousand horsepower cars. These guys drive race cars for a living. And so this is what kind of bugs me about the car conversation. And I think has hurt a lot of car magazines, car journalists, everything in the car world is hurt when we're still talking zero to 60 times, who cares? I mean, number one, we know that remock has an ability to build a sub one second zero to 60 car, but they can't get the tires to hook up. So we've sort of eliminated this as some, as a topic of conversation, not with some, because I mean, I saw on social media, Oh, this is great. It's like, what are you talking about? I mean, once you're talking about sub threes, it's pretty irrelevant. Once you have proof that somebody can build a car that goes zero to 60 in less than a second, but the tire technology is not there, aren't we kind of done with the conversation? Guess not. Cool feat for Dodge. You know, I've, I've tried to tell you guys, Dodge is actually a very underfunded company, uh, you know, compared to most car manufacturers. They do a lot with a very little. They deserve credit. But they love the Dodge Demon, and they're so proud of it that this is the last one they're going to build. So that shows you how proud they are. I, I read something this week about the Camaros going away, but then they got real kind of Chevy got kind of skewed on, well, you know, yes. And no. so I'm not going to comment on that. I think the, the new Camaro looks, you know, I'm looking at two of them. My neighbors got them here at the shop. I, I'm not a big Camaro guy, so it doesn't matter to me. It is big news, but like I said, they've sort of canceled it. It's going to be replaced this, that. So who knows? I mean, the Camaro's probably, going to going to go some type of hybrid electric if not full electric who really knows the 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 release got kind of skewed in the world so i'm not going to really comment on that i am going to talk about the car we worked on for uh, the better part of the last week now when i say worked on you know i can't work on a car for 8 straight hours with my schedule i got too many crews on the road we're doing too many cars I got responsibilities with HyperClean. I got responsibilities with other things uh, business-wise. So I can't just lock myself down and, and finish a car in eight hours or you know 25 hours straight or anything. I just don't have that in my schedule. So we pieced this together over the last week or so. We used 
a film and a software that I'm told is the best. I got to tell you, not very impressed with that. I won't say their name, but you guys can probably gather who it is. The patterns were off. You know, we had to extend every pattern almost three inches on both sides. For those that understand the PPF world, that's incredibly off. Uh, For such a rare and valuable vehicle, I would expect that their patterns would have been better, but they were absolutely horrific. So I worked on uh, a 2005 Porsche Carrera GT. I believe this is my fifth one. I've been trying to remember back, uh, you know, over my career. The first one I, I, I worked on, I was, I was, you know, probably only what, seven, eight, nine years into my, uh, detailing life. And by the way, they weren't that valuable. You know, they were expensive cars, but they weren't that valuable as we're seeing now. So let's go over this car. First of all, this is a client of ours that owns a Porsche race team. This guy has been a mechanic and is one of the top Porsche mechanics around, not only Vegas, but the United States. He's worked in Germany at the Porsche facility. This guy's the real deal. He doesn't like driving this car. This car is labeled the Widowmaker. And listening to him talk about this car was probably the most interesting thing to me of the whole project, right? I'll get into the PPF part of it, but the most interesting part of the project was number one, this car was built to run at Lamar. So Lamar changed some rules. This car was not eligible, so they never got to see the track at Lamar. Here's the interesting part. The the taillights and the safety, you know, the normal like exterior safety features look all bolted on. And he walked us through that. He goes, they look bolted on because they are. They weren't supposed to be there. You know, they weren't supposed to have these things. So they basically bolted those on the car. So they do, they're really kind of just shoddy parts, but they're still Porsche quality, obviously. But at the end of the day, it it doesn't look right. Uh, It doesn't look like it was designed to have them because it wasn't. So I thought that was an interesting, and I kind of knew that, but he walked in more in depth than that. And so he talked about why people hate driving the car. Now, mind you, there's a ton of professional drivers that don't like the car. We're not talking about, you know, Jimmy who owns it. We're talking about high level drivers don't enjoy the car, uh, just driving it around the street, right? It's incredible in corners. It's an incredible Porsche. It's the, probably the best car they, they ever made. This is the pinnacle of Porsche. Uh, it's the last car that didn't have any safety features, which makes it incredibly dangerous for the, the amateur driver. But really what it comes down to is it's a manual gearbox with a ceramic clutch. And because it's sort of Lama race car based, you have to worry about the car stalling off the line. So when you're at a complete stop, you're really worried about the car stalling as you start to release the clutch. So what happens is guys give it a ton of gas. This car starts to lurch. And because it's so powerful to the rear, rear uh, wheels, I think it's like 605 horsepower, something in that range. Don't quote me, but I think I'm accurate on that. And the back end starts to get loose and they never recover it. Kind of what you saw in the Paul Walker crash, you know, probably what happened, it started to get loose because there's no safety features. There's nothing to bring that looseness back because it's a race car. And so guys, you know, recommend the polls. I think Lewis Hamilton's dad has wrecked the Carrera GT. These cars get wrecked all the time. This car that I worked on had sub 5,000 miles, was in terrific shape uh, to be very upfront with you. The engine was out because it was getting its 10-year service. Uh, This is kind of what happens when these cars go under the knife for PPF. 
what should happen at this age of the car is you should have it in a place where somebody can pull the engine. There's a bunch of carbon fiber pieces and things in the back that you can PPF and protect. Again, make sure that carbon fiber is in tip-top shape. There's definitely some risk with it. And there's some carbon fiber pieces underneath of this car that we just refused to PPF, even though it was requested because they were not in tip-top shape. This is high-quality carbon fiber, but there's a lot of risk with that. So uh, the coolest thing about working on this car is this is why I got into detailing. I always tell you guys that you need to find out what your why is and what keeps you going to work. Because if you think it's going to be cleaning wheels and you're going to love that in 10 years, you aren't. I live for getting to work on cool cars. And it doesn't mean expensive necessarily. I got a call about a, a, a 1974 Alfa Romeo, I think, I think this week, that we're going to be trying to put a project together. I don't care that that car is not worth a ton of money. I care that it's a cool car to work on. That goes for a modern car. That goes for a normal Porsche 911. You know, I still think those are cool cars. That's what I stay in the business for is because I want to be around cars. And so that's what this project showed me. Number one, we did a lot of manual pieces. We did a lot of bulk pieces, as people in PPF call it. Uh, I really don't think we should have had to do, but the patterns were so bad in some spots that we had no choice. I kind of despise that that manufacturer is looked at as a, as a, as a great manufacturer of PPF because the software is just so stinking bad that it's really hard to explain to people. It, it's, it's horrific. Uh, these patterns were so bad. So we ended up bulking some things in some spots where it was tough to bulk up in the wheel well and things like that. I, I just wish the pattern was there. It wasn't. So we did it. We handled it. Uh, we even had behind the seats, they got these two plastic pieces behind the headrest that we bulked. They were easy to bulk, but shouldn't have needed to. Should have had really, really tight, good patterns. It's no big deal. But this is what I kind of say is that people tell me things about why this is better than that. Then when I use the, the company that everybody says is the best, it's not the best. The next thing is the PPF doesn't look the best. Has a ton of cloudiness to it. Has a ton of orange peel in it. Uh, which has been known for a long time. I I expressed my concern of using this film to the owner. I said, I know you requested it. I put our film that, that we think is the best right next to it and showed him the gloss difference and the clarity difference and all of these different things. And I got to tell you, man, there's people that have things in their head in the PPF world that they're just not looking at the things that I believe should be important and clarity should be top of the list. This, this film, I would not use it on my own car, but we did use it on this. It, it went fine. But like I said, I would have used a, a more clarity based film to, to have the best result. So the coolest part, and I shared this in a hyperclean specialist group on the passenger side, there's a sticker that says no child seats. First of all, it's a two-seater two race car. The fact that they put that sticker there, to me, is the most hilarious thing of the whole project. And by the way, I pointed that out to uh, the guy that owns the shop there, and he goes, oh, I had never noticed that. And he goes, I've worked on a ton of these, including at the factory. And, and I go, this is the wildest sticker I've ever seen in a car. Like, this is crazy. And that kind of stuff for a nerd like me is the coolest reason to work on cars like that is to find these little pieces and little things going on uh, around the car 
and, and digging into what he thinks of the car. He hates driving it. He actually won't drive it. And the last one he worked on, he told us an interesting story that I think you guys will like. He did like $125,000 worth of work to the last Carrera GT engine that he had and the car that he had. The guy drove it down the street, came back, and sold the car. And sold in a day or two because they, they have those connections, but just just said this isn't for me. That is how rowdy this car feels to people that are even Porsche people. And so, you know, to see somebody like Doug DeMuro buy this, you know, this was his dream car is really cool. But let's talk about what's happened with this car value-wise. You know, these cars at the bottom, you could probably pick up a really great example for four to six hundred thousand dollars. I think that is an important thing to remember. You're now looking at great examples at the $2.5 million mark. And everybody will point to that and say, you know, that's why I want to collect cars. This is a very rare car. It's a very special car to a brand that's done nothing but build itself in that community of collectors. This is the top one. This is the one everyone wants. And, and ironically enough, the yellow one, I think just went for 3.5 million because it's rare. The guy there told me the one you want to get your hands on. And I think there are only two in the world. He told us is the white, which I thought was interesting because I hadn't dug so deep into Porsche Carrera GTs. He told me there's a white spec color that is the rarest. And, and as of right now, he's never seen one. I think he saw it in the factory unpainted. Uh, according to him, but he said there are two out there to his knowledge. Maybe there's four, uh, maybe there's six for some of you that are more into this, but he's, he swears there's only two. And I definitely have never seen those two white ones. Uh, definitely not in person. I haven't. Uh, and I don't remember seeing them online uh, for sale or anything like that uh, of recent memory. I'm sure they've come for sale, but those are sort of like Sultan of Brunei or, you know, the crown prince of, of, of Saudi Arabia probably has it, or, you know, somebody of that ilk has probably put their hands on it or a rare collector out of Europe or something like that. So getting to sit around and we sat for a couple hours and talked about the car and all of these different things, that's why I do it. And I implore all of you guys to, to figure out your why uh, of doing this thing. There was one piece of this that was very difficult, the mirrors. To get them to our spec, we fought the mirrors for a long time. We wanted to make a true one-piece mirror. If you go in the HyperClean Specialist Group, I shared the beginning part of that. But we wanted to make it a one-piece mirror protection. It took a long time, you know, because too much stretch and, and you start to distort the film and you start to have all of these different issues. Uh, also, guys stretch film to the point where the film is extremely thin, which would be a disservice to your customer. I see that far too often throughout the internet. When I'm watching somebody's install, I go, yeah, you stretched it, but now you took an eight mil film and you made it four mils. Uh, so it's basically vinyl at this point. Uh, I don't agree with that. So we fought and fought and fought. We finally got ourselves in position to, to do what we wanted to do, but it was extremely difficult to do it right. I could have stretched it and made us made it look distorted and not cared about all that. And, and, and this gets to another conversation I want to end the podcast with today. That was difficult. 
far too often I see in all of the business world, not just detailing, but since we're a detailing based podcast, I see in detailing, people just think things are easy. Well, that guy does it. So it must be easy. Uh, I have eliminated that from my thinking. I really have. I don't think the fry cook at Wendy's. I don't think the fry cook at McDonald's. I don't think the janitor at a local school. I don't think anybody's job is easy. I've shared that on the podcast before. And when you think that way, when you, when you view the world that way, that because that guy did it, I can do it. It, it, it eliminates the growth that we all have to go through in business. And so we get asked all the time, you know, when are you guys going to be on Amazon? When are you going to be on Amazon? Well, well, folks, we're balancing a lot of things here at HyperClean. Okay. We need to worry about, we're bringing manufacturing in-house at, at completely in-house at HyperClean. That's a huge thing. So to undertake that, as well as go chase Amazon, go chase this, go chase that, go chase this. Why aren't you guys doing that? You know what, man? Amazon's not easy. I know people on the internet make you believe it is, but you know we got people in our distribution network like Brian who've been on Amazon and and, and done things. And, and when you talk to these people and I talk to other people in the industry, they're like, yeah, man, you, you got to dedicate your time to that. I mean, it's going to take up a lot of time. So it isn't just as easy as throw some stuff on Amazon. The other thing is Amazon takes a big percentage. So do I want to make less money putting our margins at risk, putting our business at risk to go on Amazon? I'm sure at some point we're going to chase that, but it's just not that easy. It's just not that easy. And when we start talking about this PPF thing that so many detailers are trying to jump into, I feel like they're jumping into it because they're like, well, I can polish a car so I can do tint and PPF and I can just add them to my business. And this is easy because that guy down the road does it. And when you have that mindset, you're setting yourself up for failure because what you should be thinking is that guy down the road has put his time in and he's built a seven figure business, let's say, and what can I learn from what he did? Right. You cut off the learning process that all of us have to go through. If all you ever think is what that guy is doing is easy. I should do it. And let me give you an example of that. I have an e-commerce company with Marshall called HyperClean. We sell on the internet. If I were to tell you guys, we're, we're the same as Amazon. You'd be like, that's crazy. You're not the same as Amazon. You're not, you're not Amazon. You guys aren't rivals to Amazon. You'd be right about that. But there's so many guys that look at a detail company in their area that's doing really well. And they go, well, I'm smarter than that guy. I can do what that guy does. Totally discounting the fact that that person has achieved something. And it's okay that they've achieved something. Why not look at it as motivation? Hey, man, that guy's doing a really good job. What can I learn from that person? Can I go create a relationship with that person? Can I go maybe add some services for him and he can refer me work? No, we, we in the detailing industry just want to say, well, I polish paint better than him. Oh, I do what better than that guy. I know more than this person. And I had that in my life. Okay. I can tell you in 2010, when I started my company, I thought the same things. 
very quickly, I realized the reason companies are successful is they're doing something right. Doesn't mean you can learn from every company or develop a relationship with every company around you. But what you can do is look at them and say, hey, man, where that guy's at, that's where I'm going. And a lot of times it doesn't mean reinventing the wheel. It means doing the simple things well. There's a reason that we promote wash clay and coat to so many of you guys. It's a volume builder. It's something that you can get people into your business and you can repeat, which allows you to hire people, right? It's not because it's the only patch package we want you to sell. We want you to sell a five-year coating with some correction. We want you to sell a three-year coating with some correction. We want you to sell interior and exterior basic details. We want you to sell tint. We want you to sell PPF. But that doesn't mean it's right for you in the moment. But also, when you go into PPF now, and you see so many people saying, I'm going to go chase PPF, they're saying that because inevitably they tell me there's so much bad work in my area. Well, there's bad work in my area. And part of the reason I have this shop now is because I had two or three customers say, hey, man, we need you to do this for me. But I already had baked in that I'd worked with PPF in my career. I knew it was going to be a challenge. I'm still probably going to go and get some training with some guys on some, some even basic techniques and, and shore up my, I'm still going to invest my time to do this right. But here's the kicker. For all you guys thinking about chasing PPF, I'm going to root you on. But I will not root on the guy who's a one-man operation or maybe you have one helper and you're doing really well and you're growing your business and you think this is the time to jump. Let me tell you that it isn't. The time to jump is, do you have a team that's running the basic parts of your business? Okay? And what I mean by that is, when you get into PPF, you're going to get to working on a, on a full front PPF job. And something that may take somebody four to six hours is going to take you three days. Because you're just getting a start, man. You're a beginner. There's no shame in that. Anybody saying they didn't start there is lying to you. Don't listen to them. But in those three days that you're locked up doing that full front that should have taken six hours, four hours, five hours, whatever it is, your other customers are, have gone by the wayside. Maybe you now had to miss five coding jobs that you had lined up because you thought this was going to take you a day. Now it's taking you three days. So you have all these customers that haven't been met. So you're not making money on them. I'll never tell somebody not to chase something they think can be very successful. But chasing PPF or chasing Tint as a beginner is something that you have to analyze. It just isn't that easy. It may look easy on the internet, but most of those guys on the internet have been doing it 10 plus years. They're, they're respectable ones. It's not that easy. And when you keep thinking it's that easy because you learn to polish paint in a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, you could do a one step. That's not PPF. That's not tint. Those are different skill sets. They take a lot longer to perfect your system and how you're going to do things to keep contamination down, to get edges tight, to wrap edges properly. These things aren't simple. That doesn't mean you can't achieve them. But if you go in thinking, well, if the guy down the street does it, it's got to be easy. That's just the wrong mindset. And you're discounting the fact that maybe somebody has given a lot of time to perfecting their skill. So when would I take the jump into PPF is what I get asked all the time. 
because a lot of people I talk to, I say, Hey man, you need to get in, get your stuff in line a little better. That's not because I don't want them to chase PPF. Can your business run without you at a very high level with your team members that allow you to then go chase a skill like PPF? That is the dividing line. If you're a one man show and you're killing it with wash clay and uno or one step encodings, you don't have any room for PPF because what's going to happen is you're going to take a massive revenue drop. You're going to be very angry. You're going to start putting out bad PPF work, which is why, in my opinion, most bad PPF work happens. They've underpriced the job, they're in a rush, and they don't have the skill set. So for those of you thinking about getting into PPF, I'm on your side. But can your business run without you? The basic interior exterior services, basic coding packages. Do you have team members that can run your business and keep those cars coming in and doing the coding work while you're over here trying to perfect your PPF skills? That's a simple formula. If the answer is I'm all by myself, PPF is not the right challenge for you at this point. That doesn't mean it's not going to come. But now you can work your business and say, okay, I want to get into PPF. I need to hire people. I need to learn to build my team. Once I build my team, I can then chase PPF. I can then chase tent and I won't be losing anything. I'll only be additive to my business. It's the same thing I'll say to people about a five-year coding. Explain to me how you're going to sell the package if you've never sold one. If you can't answer those questions, it's not the right time for you. That doesn't mean forever. That just means for right now. And it gives you something to build to. But a lot of times what happens, and I'll say this for the final time on the podcast today, stop thinking what somebody else is doing to have success is easy. Because nothing that you get paid to do is easy. That's why it's called a job. All of you can have success in PPF. All of you can have success in codings. But we see so many guys that don't. And why? Because their mindset is, well, this is easy. That guy does it. I can do it. They have nothing lined up. They're not learning how to transition into it. They're not really respecting the craft of it. They're just discounting that if this guy down the street can do it, I can do it. Really, really negative way to look at it. PPF can be a great added benefit to your business, just like a five-year coding, just like a three-year coding, just like a one-year coding, but also can sink your business. And I can tell you this right now, most of the failures I'm hearing about very early in this recession is, is one type of person. They jumped into vinyl wrap. They weren't ready. They jumped into PPF. They weren't ready. Those are the guys you hear about. Or the guys that were only doing correction in seven-year coding or five-year coding. They weren't diversified. At the end of the day, guys, the marketplace is the marketplace. Stop thinking what everybody else does is easy. And I don't care what it is. A fry cook, a fast food job, none of it's easy. That's why they get paid. And when you look at things through that lens, you'll be so much more open-minded to learn and, and you'll notice, wow, my life's better. My business life is way better. Take it from me. I thought the same thing when I got started. I was completely wrong. The mo moment I moved my, my mindset to everything everyone does is difficult, let me learn, it changed my entire business life. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.